Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist Podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, a trauma-informed spiritual mentor, certified meditation teacher, and human design expert. I'm empowering empaths in recovery and healing from narcissistic abuse, childhood trauma through human design, self-care, mindfulness advice, and expert interviews. Subscribe now. This is Season 5, Episode 66, Overcoming Discard and Finding Self-Love After Narcissistic Abuse with our guest, Jenna Jake. Whether they're diminishing you, chipping away at you, whatever it is, they find those weak, those bruises, and they just go for them, and somehow they convince you. I was like a hippie chick when I met my ex, and that wasn't, a, that wasn't cool. And now I'm back to being me. And I think about, wow, 20 year gap, like how much further along my spiritual journey would I have been if I hadn't put myself on a shelf? I'm not gonna betray you anymore. And I've said that to myself out loud. I'm just not gonna betray you anymore. Jenna is a dear friend of mine that I met through coaching program that I, gosh, maybe two years ago, we've stayed in contact. She's such a beautiful soul, amazing person. Jenna Jake is an author. She's a speaker, host of Soul Streaker podcast. She's a therapist and a coach. And she's talking today with us raw of kind of just freshly discovering that this person who has discarded her and said he wants a divorce after being separated and putting her whole body and soul into her relationship, their business together and everything. She just, she is in the thick of it right now. She is strong, she's amazing, and she knows how you feel in struggling to find self-love after being discarded by a narcissist. Your journey toward healing can begin today, just as it's beginning for her today, and you heard stories from me of how it transpired as well. Discover the tips and strategies to help you overcome hurt and find a renewed sense of self-worth. So without further ado, let's dive into our conversation. Jenna, so good to see you here. Long time no talk, girl. Ah, so good to see you again. And I just love all your posts and everything you've been doing. And I, I was so inspired to come talk today. Oh, I'm so glad that, yes, my human design role model is shining through. Just always sharing what I'm learning and hearing and doing the thing, inspiring you to talk. I really appreciate you coming to talk today because you're coming talking with personal raw experiences, not just yes. from a textbook today. <laughs> exactly. I I know narcissism all too well. I'm a, I am a proud empath, by the way. And I and speaking of just being an empath, I mm -hmm. have been studying a lot about empaths and there's a way to be an empath. And it's not like you just can't go running around the world loose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got to have yeah. our empath or protection shield up. Yep. That. Yeah. And even I'm trying to think of the woman whose books I've read. She's so good. She's an empath. She's a psychiatrist. And mm -hmm. she talks about how we were even uh, sensitive to the phases of the moon and to ha I have a moon calendar now. So I know how to, we have mm -hmm. to act differently during different cycles of the moon. Yeah. And we're right now recording the day after a full moon. So we're doing this full release of energy 
of yes that yes and i think is it the full moon that you're creating i forget now or is it the new moon no the new moon you plant seeds and create the full moon you release everything you just release and burn that's why i have that full moon release ritual every full moon i've been doing that for like two years now i think just around about the time i met you or before i would write in my journal burn it with the fire release it and then shower after it's like so amazing how serendipitous speaking of a full moon this is airing just a few days after the full moon in scorpio with a lunar eclipse which also is conjunct the south node in scorpio so it's such an intense and beautiful time to exfoliate you still have time to release and use the potent energy of the full moon grab the link in the show notes to get access to the free full moon journal and burn release ritual oh that's so amazing Oh, wow. Okay. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. And so just knowing that and how we take in every other people's energy, and it's so surprising, at least to me, because I feel other people's energy and I think everybody's like that. And it's so shocking to see that people are not as quote unquote, I guess, caring as I am. Yeah. You're like, why don't you care as much as I do? Like everyone should care. (laughs) I don't get that, but, and I don't think I ever will, and maybe I don't want to, but it's just so interesting to me. So yeah, being that I am a a proud empath, I have had experience with narcissists my entire life. And this is actually the first time in my life um, that I don't live with a narcissist. Woohoo, you're free. I'm free. Yeah, (laughs) free. And it's so, so weird because we really are addicted. We, you know, we get trauma bonded. And I don't know if people yeah. really understand that we are addicted to being on eggshells. And I've been working really hard on going back to rest and digest, which I don't even think it's going back. I think it's the first time that mm. I don't live on fight or flight. And I'm trying to really hard to get into rest and digest. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah, you said that you you grew up with this kind of conditioning of always walking on eggshells with your parents as well. Did you go straight in from your parents with your your ex? I think you said right. Yeah, my yep, my ex, my parents. Yeah, and I have other family members. It's just all around me, and yeah, it's amazing what I lived with and didn't know. Well, I mean, you were conditioned as a child, like, this is love, this is normal. Like, that conditional love is really hard to not realize until, thankfully, usually you do realize it when you're in a a romantic relationship. Not always right away, but it's like, wait a second, like, this is not right. And then, like, that's when it starts to wake you up. When was that moment for you? Well, it was after I got separated and... Mm -hmm. I just started, I think Lundy Bancroft was the first one, the first book I read where, and that was more like an anger management, kind of you're in a toxic relationship thing. And mm. then that just kind of, somehow I, I got on the narcissist, you know, led me to narcissism and studying Dr. Romney. Mm-hmm. And I started going, holy smokes, this is what I have been living my entire life. And it's really good to get educated and at first you're you're looking at all the narcissists and the narcissism going oh my god what you know i can't believe i put up with this this is what you've done but then there just gets to be a point where and this is really i think the point of power when you stop 
blaming them and looking at what they did and start seeing your role in it, your the fact that you were addicted to it. Yeah. And not to, for blame at all, but just mm-hmm. to say, okay, yep, this is what my role was in this. And this is all the things that I'm never going to do again. And this is why I went wrong. Yeah. It's almost like breaking the patterns. But see, if you've grown up in it and you're so comfortable with it, and like you said, it's almost like, and it's not a, a victim blame, like you're addicted, like, oh my gosh, you did a bad thing. It's like, you just like, didn't know any better. And your body and your nervous system thought that that was normal and safe, right? So talk us through, I wanted, you said you want to expand a bit about how this is not like a normal breakup with another person. Like okay. this is next yes. level. Yes. This is not a normal breakup that you were conditioned. Empaths that are with narcissists have been conditioned to learn a bunch of behaviors because the narcissist needed them to be that way. And so you're getting over the real the relationship and the person, but now you're also having to unlearn all the things that you were and all that you have to become somebody else. Yeah. Or else you're going to find another narcissist in another pair of pants. Yeah. And it's very easy to move from one narcissist to another. Yeah. It really is. And I noticed that I have, you know, even when I was separated from my ex, I had guy friends that, that I didn't realize they were narcissists until now, you know, until now. And it took years to figure that one out too and so i'm kind of yeah and especially when it's so covert it's like oh are you just oh like, yeah did you i got a, a covert one yeah and it takes years and years of reading about it and learning about it and working on yourself to even go oh my gosh yeah what are some happened? of the things that that are the signs that maybe someone's listening they're like oh wait do i have someone like what are some of the things you you're recently now a, seeing a like they did this Selfishness, selfishness, mm-hmm. lack of empathy, mm-hmm. and then you start to catch the gaslighting pattern. And when you can catch the gaslighting pattern, when they start with the why questions, I don't understand. I don't get it. Mm. Why? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? And the minute you answer a why, mm. you're on the defensive. Yeah. Stop defending yourself. What are you defending? But it's yeah. so such a natural response. It's a tripwire. Why'd yeah. you do that? And, and now it's because got you. you love them and they're mad at you. So it's like you kind of just naturally want to answer because you want to resolve the conflict. But yeah. you're right. It's a tripwire. It's not a, why are you, you doing this? Or why is this the situation we keep happening? Like, it's not to resolve anything. It's just to push the blame. Yeah. And they, and they pretend like they're dumb. Like, they, I don't get yeah. it. I don't get it. It's a nice <laughs> problem. You don't get it. And and then they do something, but they, what's really tricky though, is they, they do that. And then they say, well, it's your fault or, you know, because you did that. And then they throw something nice in behind that to mm-hmm. mess with your mind to say, I really, I really just want to help you. We're just having a conversation or I wish I could make this better for you, but you know, you feel icky, but now you feel they're being nice. So it's confusing. That and is, at the same time, when they're being nice, it sounds like they're also blaming you for the issue and not taking any responsibility. So it's like a double-edged sword of like, oh, my God, like, stop. Yeah, a hundred. I talked about this on my – you don't get closure from them. Yeah. Because I even said to my ex, you know, if I was a horrible person, even 50% of the time, you've lost the good 50. And I know I was way better than 50-50. Yeah. His response was, and I haven't get any sense of loss. Like I said, I'm not getting any closure here. Thank you for sharing your feelings. That was all I got. 
So when mm. you get discarded and it is a, you hit the concrete discard, yeah. you're not good. Don't, there's no, you have to give yourself the closure. You're not getting it from somebody else. You're not getting yeah, it from I think them. You, you hit the nail on the head there. The hardest part in getting them out of your head after you break up is figuring out how to get closure because they're not going to give you any. Like, even no. if you try and you open up that wound and that Band-Aid, it just cuts it deeper and yeah, deeper. It's not worth it. Don't be emotional. <laughs> don't look for any kind of emotional anything for the narcissist, any kind of support. You're not. You're just you're, you're yeah. just re-traumatizing yourself. A hundred percent. I agree. And so yeah. the, and this is really where it's hard, hard because you're addicted to them. You miss them as as many thousand things as my ex has done. Sometimes I think, why do I miss him? But it's, it's, it's thank God, getting better. But because I'm addicted, that's why. Because it's like you want that, you're jonesing for that, being on eggshells. And so I've been doing meditation, tapping, hanging around with Buddhists, literally <laughs> doing all, you know, just going. Yeah. You just have to practice relaxing and practice. It's okay. It feels and foreign that to have on... no drama around you as well, right? Now that you're Yes, alone. it feels really foreign. And I've just gotten to the point that I stopped yelling because mm. I realized when I'm yelling and I'm doing, I'm going to do a podcast episode, like, what are you yelling about? Who are you yelling at? Yeah. Because every time you yell, you're not really getting your communication anymore. <clears throat> it's not any clearer or, or any more productive. Yeah. It's just you're you upset yourself. You raise your blood pressure for what reason? So I stopped yelling at yelling at my daughter, just yelling in general. Yeah, I was going to say that I I did yelling that. too. I feel like that's part of the healing process of like coming down from all that. It's almost like a withdrawal symptom, like because your nerves are so much on edge that unless you do the tapping really helps. Unless you do that calming tapping. You're going to take it out on whomever you're around unintentionally. You're really not intending, right. but it's like this body reaction. Yeah. And Michael Singer says, you know, people are anxious and yelling or because we're not OK in here. And the more we yeah. make ourselves OK, there's nothing you realize that there's nothing to yell about and that really it's ineffective and it just upsets you. And, I, and when yeah. that peace becomes the most prized possession you have and you don't want anybody to ruin that, you're not going to give that up for anything. Yeah you realize there's no point yeah absolutely i love so that I, I reached that point about 10 days ago maybe and i just stopped yelling and my relationship with my daughter is way better good that's amazing yeah, yeah because when you yell you can't get anywhere and the other person is on the defensive and so they're not going to hear you anyways yeah and, and even when i get up at e now or i just this just feels weird to me now. Just mm -hmm. I don't like it. It's just not who I am. And I, it's amazing though how I did. I hadn't spoken or seen my ex in a while, and then I spent four hours with him because we had to go visit one of our kids, and I took a ride with him. Oh dear! Oh no! Narcissist cars. That's never good. <laughs> oh, and it was so weird because I I was thinking if I was to be with him now, it would feel itchy. That was yeah. the word that that would felt to me itchy, but uh, it's so easy how you and you think you're so far along, and then like just being with him just felt so familiar. And I was thinking I could get sucked back into a pattern. 
yeah. so easily. You know, I would yeah, feel like itchy about it. It's like a pair of an old shoe with holes in it. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like, and That's what I, I was like. It's like <laughs> right. It's like those old, those jeans or that sweater that you love. So, yeah, that's why no contact is so beneficial and important. important. And I think you need to stay there for years. <laughs> State their fears. Stay away from narcissists for years. And I mean, until you really get, how do you get, and this is maybe a question I have for you. Do you ever really get it out of your system? Get what what in particular out of your get system? Get that feeling well, they, of, well, uh -huh. being on eggshells. This is so comfortable. And then you do. How long? Okay. So that's you what do. I want to know. And for me personally, it, it's going to be different for everybody. But for me personally, I had to experience a healthy relationship to show and model to me. Because I would have like the same reactions I would have in our conflicts in a healthy relationship, you know, compared to the, the toxic one. And I would clinch up or I would get really defensive or I would like my whole body would start to like freak out or panic. And it just took that constant repetition of the healthy partner investing in the healthy reaction, like gaining trust is what I had to do. I had to trust myself first, trust that I was with someone safe. And that that weird, like itchy kind of like making conflict for no reason, because I would make certain fights just because I was used to that feeling, too, like for no reason. It goes away because you're like, I don't want this anymore. Like, I want to break the pattern. And I like it when we're at peace. And I like that this person can actually be trusted. So that's how I kind of shifted from that toxic pattern. I also... Obviously, no contact with my ex, but then the other narcissistic people in my life, like my family members who I was codependent with, who I started to get that anxiety, itchy, like I need to be in this unhealthy pattern with them because that's the only way I'm going to get their love, especially with my parents. Uh, yeah. I, ha I had to just draw some major boundaries. And actually, our marriage counselor said because we were going through some stuff at the beginning and she was like you need to stop telling your mom about your problems because she's feeding the fire into your problems because it was that toxic interaction that I was used to and then that toxic interaction would feed over into my marriage and I, I, I had to just draw the line and say I can talk to you about anything else but I can't talk to you about my marriage issues and it's interesting because that was a bit of a litmus test she, she just didn't know how to interact with me after that. She totally closed off. She stopped talking to me. She's like, you don't need me in this weird, like, unhealthy, codependent way. I don't know how to talk to you. And our, our relationship just kind of got more and more distant. And she became, like, on the outer circle versus that inner circle. Just by naturally being putting up a boundary. Isn't that – and then when you think about – the people that are in your inner circle and how you can't live without them. And then when they go away and you're okay, it's kind of freeing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I do these weird like mind exercises, maybe because I'm sadistic. I don't know. I'm like, if my husband were to, you know, pass away, like suddenly from a horrible accident, would I be okay? Like, what would I do? And I like kind of play out the scenario. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. I would be perfectly fine. Like I got me emotionally, spiritually, I got me financially. I, I can figure it out, right? Like I've got my strength. But it took me a long, long, like, well, it's been 12 years since I've been out of my bad relationship, which started that spiritual journey. 
Yeah, but it does. You you can get there. It happens. It just depends on your journey and how long it takes for every person's different. How do you make that leap, though, out of a narcissistic relationship or a toxic relationship to a healthy relationship? Yeah, That's I did it leap. like the mo- the worst way ever. You don't want to do it my way because I literally met him two weeks after and I was lucky and I was contemplating. I was like, maybe I am in another abusive relationship because that's how normally it happens. You get in real quick and you don't invest time in yourself. But so ours was like a crash course. Honestly, ours was like a train wreck at first. And then I was able to heal and, and he grew as well. The best way is to, to stay on your own, to heal and find your love and your center and your grounding on your own, right? As your own independent person. And then attracting that healthy partner will come along and all of those you know, keep studying on the red flags, keep studying about what went wrong in your relationship. And then if that does crop up in any dating scenario, you just cut it off real quickly. You're like, nope, not going to have that. That's not in my life anymore until you. Yeah. And what, and what my, I'll speak for myself, what my part was in that. And a lot of it had to do with my lack of, well, the way I was groomed, but also my lack of self-confidence and you know, because you want to keep that person happy because you don't want them to, go, you know, to leave you because you don't have the confidence yeah. to be on your own. Well, and that comes and, from if you did have narcissistic parents, that's from your upbringing, right? You didn't have any yeah. time or space or ability to have self-autonomy, to even have self-confidence. That might have looked to them like a threat or like, like disrespectful. So they would have conditioned that out of you. So some people are really strong and they get sucked into the narcissist vortex. Some people are conditioned by narcissist parents. So it's just like familiar to them. So they just slip right into that pattern with that romance. That's the way it was for me. And I see it in some of my other family members too, but a hundred percent. And that's what I was used to, you know, let's contain and keep happy and be on eggshells all the time. And you know, even even now when my dog barks, I still think, oh, my God, thank God my ex is not here because he would freak out. He would be like freaking out that the dog was barking. He'd be trying to work or trying to sleep. So I'm waiting for that to go away. Always thinking like about what they would be thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that'll take time and that'll take healing. Keep, keep doing your tapping and it'll come. Yeah. 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 It'll come. Six yeah, months time, so. a year time, it's going to be like remarkably better. Yeah. And, and I know I, who I was when I met him and then how right away I was changed. You know, it wasn't like you have to change. I don't you mm-hmm. dress different, this, that. Yeah. All the red flags, you know. Yeah. Tell us more about and some of your red flags you're, you've been pondering lately. When, you know, it wasn't you're not good enough. You have to be different. You have, of course, it's, you're not yourself anymore. You're an extension of them. But they... Mm-hmm sort of explain that to you but it's kind of like you want to belong so they make it seem so charming and you go on with it because yes you want to be loved you want you want to be part of that and it and i guess if you're groomed a certain way you're kind of used to that and and i remember some instances in my in my marriage where I was so worried about what he would think. Even even when I had my daughter and I was, they were like, they said, we're going to take this baby out or you're going to die. And we were in California at the time and I needed to call back to the East Coast. And my ex didn't like my mother. 
go figure. Two very, you know, <laughs> right. entitled people don't like each other. Big surprise. <laughs> so, and I remember him just like rolling his eyes because I wanted to call my mom to say, no, if I don't get this baby out, I'm going to die and I'm going into surgery. And I just remember like feeling uncomfortable about, it's like, are you kidding me? It's my mother. I'm, I'm, the, I'm about to like, I'm in an emergency. Do you think I care what you think? But at the time I did, like, that's how bad it could get. Yeah. That's how much that it's like every single move, every single breath they react to. Yes. So they condition you, know, he, you. He almost like gave me permission. It was like, okay, like, I don't need your permission. <laughs> Seriously, like, it's your body, first of all, no matter what you do in your yeah. hospital. It's your mom. It's, it's everything. It's like it, everything that is you, you're right, is not yours anymore. It is the narcissist to control. Yes. And you love them more than yourself because you have no self, which is the irony. Okay. Because the one reason that my ex wanted to divorce me, the number one, is because I didn't have boundaries, which makes me laugh, which because he's right. I didn't have boundaries. But the point he wanted me to have boundaries with my family, but not with him. And boundaries mm -hmm. don't work that way. So, you know, he's just going to marry me in another dress yeah. and end up with the wife with no boundaries again. Because he can't yeah. deal with boundaries. No, narcissists don't want boundaries. Why would they want boundaries? That means they can't have their way. Right. But they want boundaries with other family members. They want you to have boundaries with other family members. But it don't, it, it don't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good luck. And he's oh right. God. I had no boundaries. But now yeah. I got boundaries. Yeah. So thank yeah, you for that lesson. That's awesome. I know. It's insane. The hypocrisy. I was just talking to my husband about some political stuff today. And it's like the hypocrisy is insane with these people who are so arrogant and narcissistic. And that's it. That's narcissist in a nutshell. Arrogant, overinflated sense of self, and always double standards. The hypocrisy is yes. palpable. Mm -hmm. And it's funny when they, they see it in other people. They see narcissism. You're making this about... I heard him go to somebody the other day, you're making this about you. And this person was making it about them. But I was like, look at that pot calling that kettle black. Like you see <laughs> it in other people, but you don't yeah. see it in yourself. Of course. Yeah, it's amazing. Of course they... They, they spot that. Yeah, they, they see it. Well, and it's important for the narcissist to call it out in the other so that way, the camera or the spotlight doesn't shine over to them. Always, always, I like mean, that I, bright, shiny object. I didn't disagree with what he was saying, but I yeah. was like so amazed how he saw it in somebody else and does not ever see it in himself. Yeah. They're blind. They're blind to it. And I, I know also it, it's about like... It feels emotionally like they're going to die if they had to go to therapy and talk about their own issues and like sit and talk about whatever. Like, yeah, they literally would rather do anything else, like sit in a bathtub with snakes or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they go to therapy. But they do. You know, my, we went to marital counseling, so I can't say he didn't go. But. Yeah. You know, well, going, if they going do go a couple what of times. He, what did he do in therapy? you know, maybe admitted some things or, but, you know, always it's okay. It's one thing to say you're sorry once, twice, three times, four times. But after 20 years, it was like, 
yeah, I get it. You're sorry. It means nothing. Like, yeah. don't, what are you sorry about? You're just going to do it again. Being sorry really means you're not doing it again. And that is one of the lessons I got from my divorce or, you know, yeah. in that relationship was like, no, you're not sorry. If you're sorry, you wouldn't do it. Absolutely. You What's know, that one phrase? Be- Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it just became, you didn't get too high or too low because you knew it was they were going to be sorry. You knew that it was going to happen again. So what was the point? Yeah. What, how do you think that they can strip us of our self? Like we become a shell of ourself in that relationship. What do you think in your ponderings has been? I mean, I think I went in as a sh- somewhat of a shell because I was used to it. But I was, you know, I was like a hippie chick when I met my ex. And that wasn't, a, that wasn't cool. And now I'm back to being me. And I think about, wow, 20-year gap, like how much further along my spiritual journey would I have been if I hadn't put myself on a shelf? They just have ways of making you feel bad about yourself, attacking this lack of self-esteem that you came with. They're very good at finding that and rescuing you from you in their estimation. Ooh, that that is a really good point. Rescuing you from you. And they'll find whatever you need to be rescued because that's how they're going to keep themselves in power over you. Yes. Yeah. And they say things, you know, whether they're diminishing you, chipping away at you, whatever it is, they find those weak, those bruises and they just go for them and somehow they convince you. I mean, they start with the love bombing. So, you know, they've already got you. And I'm sure... You know, when my ex meets somebody else, I'm going to be the devil and they're going to hear all the great things about how they're, you know, this, they were more adventurous than I am and doing, you know, they're this, that, and the other thing better than I did to have this woman think that like, I'm the devil and this big victim story and she's rescuing him. Oh, yes. Yes. They reverse the role of victim when they first enter after yes. the breakup. Yes. yes. Is he that it, you guys were separated for a while? What was that point? We've been of separated like, for a while. You were done like during your separation or before? It was funny because I had I moved my daughter from one town to another because she needed to go to a different school and she was going from private to public. So I moved to a better, way better district where my dad was living. And so I was just trying to like get her to a better school situation. And we were kind of like staying over at this apartment over his house. And then mm-hmm. it just turned into like, you know, we're done. You know, this kind of like discard, like we're done. Mm-hmm. But I think prior to that, he felt like I was done with him. You know what I mean? Because I was just yeah. felt so. I don't know how the word was, but. You know, I just feel like I couldn't breathe at the, to this point because we were had been working together and together all the time. And he he was, you know, traveling around a lot and he was exhausted. And, you know, and he, even the nicest person that travels around, they, they're going to get cranky. I mean, it takes a toll on you. So you can imagine what, you know, he yeah. was like just being who he was, plus all this extra stress. Mm-hmm. And something actually happened on an airplane. They had to brace for impact. And I think he thought he was going to die in this plane crash. 
but they were fine. It was, they didn't, they just had a hard landing, I think, but mm. it made him go, okay, you know, we're done. And it was just like discard done right there, you know, mm. over like 22 years of a relationship, whatever it was. Oh gosh. You know, it's just like, okay, we're done and you're on the concrete and that's it. It's over. Yeah. Just that's it. That's the thing that you that's also it. wanted to, to talk about was the discard. It's yes. Just... It's so, it's so harsh. It's harsh. Sudden. Yeah. And, yeah. Sudden it's harsh. And when they decide they're done with you, they, I mean, I have other relatives that are narcissists and I've seen that and you, and you watch them before they discard you, you watch them discard other people and you know, your day is going to come. Mm. At least you hope it doesn't, but you see them discard other people and it's like, that that's vicious. Yeah. And then they discard you. And that's exactly what it's such a great word because that's exactly what it feels like. Like you're just thrown, you're thrown out and they don't care anymore. Because I think the biggest thing and, too is that empath is trying so hard all those years, right? Even when you're yes. separated, you weren't giving oh my up. God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and when I think there. about like what a great partner I was and everything that I did and I quit, I stopped being a therapist to go work in the business and this and that. And I was mm-hmm. like taking care of the kids and in the biz- running the business and mm-hmm. doing everything because he was traveling around all the time. And to tell me that I wasn't a good partner, like, are you kidding? Yeah. There wasn't nothing I didn't do for you. Yeah. <laughs> that is it. That is it. Everything. I mean, even on a holiday, I'd make him a plate like he was my king. Are you kidding? Gosh. Yeah, you know, nothing ever is good enough with a narcissist. Never good enough. And I will never yeah. love somebody else more than myself. I That lesson I have learned. The so, narcissist will never love anyone else more than themselves. Yeah. But I, as an empath, I loved him more than myself. So I will never love another guy in a partner right. more than I love myself again. Got it. Yes. Absolutely. So I'm going to be very different in my next relationship. And I've been working on myself. And even now, I don't. I don't even like the idea of just taking my energy to give to somebody right now. I don't right even now have you it. needed to heal. You're fresh. No, You're fresh I don't now. have. I don't. Yes, because I want that healthy boundary of like, yes, I want to be a good partner for you and give to you. But there's a boundary on that now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how have yes. you found yourself doing healthy coping me- mechanisms in this state of discard? You know, learning, learning, like doing meditation, just calming my body down, being present, sitting in the present. Mm -hmm. I never felt safe. I never felt safe in my body. So doing a lot of safety, feeling safe kind of things. You know, spending time in small places, like I love sitting in walk-in closets, storage closets. Somehow that feels safe. The tapping has helped. Therapy has helped. Educating myself has helped. Realizing that just because I haven't gotten better doesn't believe doesn't mean I don't deserve better. It's just what I've settled either gotten through being born into the family I was born into, and then what I've settled for because I didn't know better. Yeah. And just being okay, being on my own because I'm not. I don't want to get in a relationship with you because I'm trying to get something from you. I want to have a relationship that's good for the highest good of all yes beautiful that is exactly all the lessons i feel like your soul's wanting to learn i'm like yes bravo yes 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 
You know, that no. one thing you said, safe in my body, that's been the biggest thing and the biggest affirmation for me is it is safe to be in my body. And I, yeah, I've realized how much I've never really been in my body, like to just be present in your body. I don't think any, yeah. most people are probably not present in their bodies. Yeah. And especially and as empaths who are absorbing so much, you know, it's, it doesn't ever feel safe. You're always like absorb no. here, absorb there. People please here, people please there. Oh God, I, I have, it's given me an anxiety disorder that I'm working yeah. on healing. Yeah. Just feeling yeah. safe in my body and that I'm sa I'm safe. Yeah. And I just started jujitsu because I said, okay, what do you need to feel <laughs> safe? So I'm taking, I'm taking a woman's self-defense class. That's awesome. So, That's yeah, so you know, great. just there, there's that voice in there that it's actually an inner child and doing inner child work and yeah. just listening to that inner child to say, I'm honoring you. I hear you. I see you because I agree with you. It, there's no trust between me and me. And now I'm starting to trust myself a little more. Yep. But this takes time. Yeah. It is a, a, a peeling of the layer of the onion. Yeah. And developing trust with yourself and in relationships and even with, let's say, new friendships. Like that for me also is really hard and can be very triggering. And to develop that trust is the only way to kind of make it through. Be like, okay, it's okay. I set a boundary. It's okay. It's just a litmus test in this relationship. Yeah. <laughs> it's, they're not going to hate me. And if they hate me, that's their problem, you know? <laughs> It's true. And and having boundaries also with your body in terms of like, I don't want certain people hugging me, mm. you know, because I think that I was violated as a kid and I just like could feel like my little body, like not liking some things. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want you to hug me and just and you feel so bad saying something like that. Like you're so more you're more worried about the other person's feelings than your own and we betray ourselves as empaths over and over and over and over again. And we feel bad when we stand up for ourselves. That is something- Yeah, but I'm they don't care. They're so selfish. They're just in their own thing. So we, yeah. we have to kind of absorb a little bit of that and be like, with love, no hug, please. Like with yeah. love, handshake, high five. I taught my kids that Even really young. Do you want a handshake? Do you want a high five? And maybe we'll offer a hug if we knew them like, more but yeah. to a friend we barely knew it's like i'm not gonna offer a hug right away <laughs> but even to non-narcissists yeah like i have a, a guy friend and he's been very helpful like healing a male that's not a narcissist to be in his sphere so i agree with you that right. it's important to find non-narcissists and hang around with them but you know i've just recently told him like don't hug me i don't want any guys hugging me right now it's just my boundary thing <laughs> And what, what did he say as a healthy? He was response? like, okay. You know, he was like, okay. I'm like, it's not, per I said, it's not personal. I just don't, I just need my space. Yeah. And that healthy person also recognizes you have something in your past. It's, they don't take it personal. They're like, okay, cool. Whatever. Like how, whatever makes you feel safe. Like that's their MO. I want you to feel healthy. safe mm -hmm. and they don't make it about them. Yeah. It's like, Whereas, oh, this is new. Yeah, yeah. You're like, this feels foreign. Is this like good? Is this bad? Is this a trick? Like, <laughs> But even him as a non-narcissist, when I put my boundary and say, I don't want you to hug me, I feel I'm so more, more worried about his feelings than mine. Yeah. 
It's yeah, just, that's definitely you know, a big life to, lesson. Yeah, you have to practice saying, you know what? Yeah. I'm not going to betray you anymore. And I've said that to myself out loud. I'm just not going to betray you anymore. I love that. And it, I love that. Listeners, yeah. say that out loud. I'm not going to betray you anymore. Yeah. That's it. Jenna, you, you've really gotten some amazing life lessons out of this crappy oh, situation. You. <laughs> yeah, you know what? They're our greatest teachers. These, you know, our relationships are our greatest teachers. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And I just want, you know, I ask God, I ask myself, well, thank God that I got to this point and I'm, you know, going to continue to grow. But, you know, why so long? You know, but I guess this was the plan. Yeah. We all have our different energies and timings. Timing's everything. And like how yeah. much this is going to blossom your, if you want to do it still, your therapy, you know, outlet of being able to help people yeah. in a really deep experiential way versus like I know it by the book and this is a da, da, da. like this is the real no, deal I get it yeah <laughs> you know and I also I, yeah, I feel like the universe took him or you know took all the narcissists out of my life because this is the dharma now mm -hmm. and I need they all needed to go or I don't know if I would have been able to do this because I wouldn't have had the space to do it yeah absolutely yeah I think that's the thing is timing Timing is everything. I always used to always think back, like, why did I waste my good years, right? My, the whole entire of my 20s with this a-hole. But it's like, oh, well, it, it, it is what I needed to experience. And I kind of look back on it and like, well, your 20s are kind of like the experimental ground anyway. So you can't yeah. beat yourself up about how long it took. It's just your time is your time. It's true. You know, and, you know, at my age, I'm... I guess going towards more of a crone situation, but the wisdom is there. And so yeah. it's just my pleasure to serve. Exactly. Well, thank you for being here. Oh I really God. enjoyed so catching much. up I, with you. Yeah. No, I love this. I, I've been watching you and loving your stuff. And I just appreciate the invitation and the outlet. Yeah, this I know for sure. You've related to our listeners. Then we've you've provided some amazing wise crone wisdom for them already so thank you for for being so um, vulnerable and sharing thank you so much and they can they can find me on the soul streaker podcast perfect soul streak podcast and what yeah, else do you want to share there um yeah and then i'm on instagram tiktok they can find me there and then i think my email is on tiktok if they want to reach out or have any questions or slide into my dms whatever it is <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, the links to, to all of her links will be in the blog and the show notes. Yep. Perfect. Oh, thank Good. you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. What a beautiful soul. And I really appreciate my friend Jenna coming on the podcast today. There are these seven, there are eight. No, there's probably more, but eight or nine takeaways that I have here listed. Number one is go no contact with a narcissist at all costs. Number two, self-love and be present. Number three, it is safe to be in your body. Give yourself opportunities to feel that. Number four, get help through therapy. Number five, 
EFT tapping is a stress reliever, PTSD reliever, and a way to really alleviate the yelling out of your life. And number six is educate yourself. Educate yourself. And you're already doing that right here on the podcast. So make sure you're tuning in and following all the information here on the podcast, as well as in the Empath Healing Community membership. Education is key to continually make sure that you are guarded against the tricks and schemes of the narcissist. And the last takeaway I have is do not betray yourself. She made a very beautiful point. Stop betraying yourself. Lean into self-love. She will never love someone else more than she loves herself in a healthy way, not the narcissistic way. If you want personal help in gaining clarity, your authentic power back, and healing to be rid of the narcissist for good, join our empath community and receive sparkle reminder inspiration every Saturday and strategies to heal from narcissist abuse. Plus, get your free human design chart summary and free 20-minute support call with me. As soon as you're in, I'll gift you your human design reading with your type, strategy, and inner authority. So join now and get your reading within 24 hours. I am honored to participate in Divine Rising Summit. We are tearing through the fabric of old beliefs and elevating your sacred truth. Feeling the walls caving in and questioning your own truth and sanity is the number one tactic of the toxic oppressor. And this is exactly what you're feeling right now. And if you are, you are not alone. There is a community of like-minded people eager to have these sometimes difficult but always empowering conversations on how we can all work together towards helping you find your soul power and truth. So sign up to the summit now. It's at no cost. It's free. And so sign up and gain your wisdom and clarity in this amazing summit that I'm participating in. Yara Atlantica Miller is the host and she has been a guest on our podcast before. And recently I was again a guest on her uh, YouTube channel show. And then now here in the summit, it's time to understand what is truly happening to us and our world and reclaim our personal power, freedom, and divine light back. So this summit is starting May 15th. Join us, get your ticket for free and... Yeah. And tune in for my guest spot, which will be on June 2nd. So many amazing speakers are in this summit. There is Lowell Johnson, Mark Atwood, Tyler Koala, Laura Van Tyme, Maureen St. Germain, Sherry DeFiband, Joan of Angels. I mean, the list goes on and on. So many amazing guests. And you can see all their photos and look them all up on my website, ravenscott.show. And the link there to get your free ticket is in the show notes as well as my homepage, ravenscott.show. Starting May 6th, I am ramping up and starting the how to detox yourself from the narcissist because we get so addicted to that toxic love cycle. So May 6th, I'm starting a new tier on Patreon. It's a series that we're going to talk about once a week video coaching and then once a week live that you can join in and ask your questions and we can have some interactions about the toxic love detox. 
I'm so grateful for you listening, finding the show, and sharing it with your friends. It would give a great boost in the heart-centered algorithm to rate and review this podcast if you are enjoying it. Take a screenshot, share it on your socials, share it in a text message to a friend that you know right now needs to be pulled out of the quicksand. And remember, always keep your unique light shining. I just wanna make it last Try to let go of the past I close my eyes, embrace the blast Sleepless nights and headaches stack Restlessness to hell and back What's my purpose, what do I grab? A slippery surface, a heart attack And sometimes you just gotta believe There's something that'll give you relief There's something that'll have what you need What you need we're broken, it's tragic, we're not all elastic, but maybe there's magic, believe.